Hallelujah. <clears throat> I have something that I feel the Lord has, has definitely laid on my heart to talk to you about. And if you will take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, I will read verse 16. <clears throat> and we want to just talk to you tonight on praying in the Spirit. I feel that this is something the Lord would really like for me to discuss with you. I might just uh, ask a question before we read the Scripture. When's the last time that you have prayed in tongues, spoken in tongues? Now, some of you may say, today. Some of you may say yesterday. Some of you may say, well, when I first received the Holy Ghost, some of you may say, I never have. Well, we just want to talk to you about uh, the importance of praying in the Holy Ghost. Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse 16, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now, I don't think that this scripture is making reference to uh, speaking in tongues. But I, I want to talk about the renewing of the inner man. Life is sustained on the earth, that is physical life, by eating and drinking, and then by breathing. And it's really not necessary that you take in anything else. It's what you eat and drink, and then what you breathe. Now, if you were to stop breathing right now, how long would you last? Now, some people can hold their breath for three or four minutes. Some, I've heard of some people that could hold their breath for eight and nine minutes, and that's a long time. But there have been people who have conditioned themselves to do this. When I was in high school, I used to, to run the 100-yard dash, and we, we took one breath, and we held our breath, and we did not breathe one time. Till we reach the end of our destination. Of course, we were running the 100-yard dash in about 10 seconds and less. So uh, anybody can hold their breath for 10 seconds. And uh, the reason why that we did this is because we concentrated on the movement of the body rather than the breath itself. But breathing is a natural thing. I can assure you when you cross the finish line, nobody had to come up to you. No coach had to come up to you and say, now is time to breathe. In fact, if he would have come up and said, now, don't breathe yet, a lot of people would have been in violation of his request. It's a natural thing to breathe. And then, of course, eating. How long can you go without eating? 
Now, you can go longer than you can go without breath. Isn't that true? You can go longer than you can go without breath. I have heard reports of people who have fasted 80 days. Now, I've never known of anybody. I have uh, met a few people that have fasted 40 days. Now, I've never fasted 40 days. Somebody here possibly has. We want to ask you to raise your hand. But uh, you can go a lot longer without food and then, of course, not as long without water. But basically, food and water and then, of course, uh, breath. This is necessary to sustain life. And it's also that same way in the Spirit. When Jesus fasted, he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And so he was equating physical food in a spiritual sense to the Word of God. And the reason why that Christians ought to read their Bibles is because the Bible, God's Word, is food indeed for us. See? It really is. When the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, you can taste, you can literally taste the Word of God. It's good. And it will sustain you. However, when it comes to God, we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. It's not all Bible. It takes the breath of God, the Spirit of God. And when the Word of God's preached to you, it takes an unction of that Spirit that flows with that to bring life to you. Now, I personally believe that that it is impossible to please God just by coming to church and sitting on a pew. And if you think that, that just coming to church, sitting on the pew, being faithful to the service and paying your tithing and such is what it takes to please God. Now, all those things are important. But there's more to it than just that. There's more to it than just that. And the Bible definitely stresses the importance of communicating directly with God. Now, the reason why that I want to talk about praying in the Spirit or receiving the breath of God. Now, when we were born again, we spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Isn't that right? Now, all of us prior to our new birth, we were dead in sin. Now, there are two phrases found in the Bible, dead to sin and dead in sin. Now, there is a difference. Now, we want to point out the difference. Ephesians, the uh, second chapter... 
Verse 4, the Bible says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Now, there was a time when we were dead in sins. We were just sinners. And according to Scripture, all people who have not been regenerated, been born again, who have not committed their lives to the Lord, they're sinners. And that's quite a broad term. I hear quite often people breaking down uh, the categories uh, of uh, living. Some people talk about the, uh, the transgressor. They talk about the sinner. They talk about, well, sin is a transgression, the Bible says, against the law of God. Sometimes we break down the righteous category. We talk about the righteous. We talk about the holy. We talk about the believers. We talk about the Christians. We talk about the saints. But I've got to tell you, as far as the Bible is concerned, there are two categories of people. Now, you may be in the process of changing over from one category to the next. By one spirit are we baptized into one body. The whole new birth was meant to be one process. We break it down by saying repent, be baptized, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, we understand what the Scripture is saying, and I believe that. But nevertheless, by one Spirit are we baptized into one body. It's, a, it's an entrance into the kingdom of God. Now, man was dead in his sin. Now, there came a time when the gospel was preached to us, and we realized that we did not have eternal life. And we understood that except we believe in him, we were going to die in those sins. And the death in those sins is made mentioned in the book of Revelation. And it is talking about a, a, a physical, literal burning in a lake of fire. And if people believe in annihilation... That is, that you go into hell and you quickly burn up. I'd like to know how they, they can do that according to Scripture. You don't hear a lot of hell, fire, and brimstone preaching nowadays. But nevertheless, it is spoken of in the Bible anyway. That, that there is a hell where people will go along with the, the Antichrist, the false prophet, and they will burn in hell forever and ever and ever. Sounds cruel, doesn't it? It is cruel. That's why God prepared a, a plan for you to do something about it. It's terrible. Why does it have to be this way? It does not have to be that way. You don't have to die lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, hell was prepared, according to Matthew, 
the 25th chapter, verse 41, hell's prepared for the devil and his angels. So you don't have to die lost. Well, one day we realized that we were lost, and we realized that we were going to die in our sins, and we decided we would indeed do something about it. Now, in the book of Romans, the 6th chapter, and oh, how many times have we actually looked into the book of Romans? Romans, the 6th chapter, the Apostle Paul speaks about the sins and about the, the sinner. <clears throat> the Bible says, verse 5, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his, de of his death, we shall also, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sins. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall, we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Now, if you look carefully at, uh, and I lost the scripture I was going to read, verse 15, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace God forbid? Know ye not that to whom ye Yield yourselves, servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now, verse 20, For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit, fruit, have you then in those things uh, whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin, ye became servants to God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so... The people he's talking about here are people that are dead in sin, are dead, are free from sin, free from the body of death. Uh, the people that the Apostle Paul is speaking about are the people who are dead in sin indeed. They have not yet been delivered. But when a person repents, according to Romans 6, he crucifies the old man. But after the old man, the old body of corruption has been killed, then the individual is lifeless without the spirit. But God wants to come, and then he wants to take and breathe the Holy Ghost upon them. Now, if you turn back to the book of Genesis to the creation of man, you will find a, 
something that happened here when God made man. sure having problems with my scriptures. All right, two and seven, and I have it marked, and I don't know why I didn't see where I have it marked. Okay, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, what happened to, to uh, this man after God had made him? Well, he was just lifeless. Here was Adam. He's made out of the dust of the ground. He's stretched out there on the, on the ground, and he has no life in him at all. And after God made him, the Bible specifically states, then God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he did what? He became a living soul. Now prior to that, he was not a living soul. So man is made up of body, soul, and spirit, or breath. And God breathed into Adam the breath of life. Now what happens to a lot of people? They repent, they kill sin, and they, they crucify the old man, and there he is. But he's without life. He's without breath. And the purpose of the new birth, the birth of the Spirit, is that God must breathe once again upon man so that the inner man lives. The inner man has to live. Now, we know that, that the Bible teaches the, the new birth. Jesus said that that except a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. The wind bloweth where it listeth. You will find the word wind and spirit and breath in the Bible in most cases are interchangeable. In most cases. Now, not in every case, but in most cases. Now, if you turn to John, the second chapter... The third chapter, pardon me. John 3, when Jesus speaks to Nicodemus, John 3, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night. He said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Very, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, or here of the wind, or of the breath, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, 
But that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Now notice verse 8. The wind or the spirit or the breath bloweth where it listeth. Now I remember when I repented of my sins. Oh, what a great feeling. Because that load of guilt and condemnation leaves you. Now some people... Uh, mistake this for Bible salvation. Because something does take place in you when you crucify the old man of sin. It's not just the, the body that's corrupt, but the soul of man becomes corrupt. And the spirit of man becomes corrupt. This is why Jesus speaks, it's not what goeth into a man that defileth a man, but it's what proceedeth out of the mouth that defileth a man. For from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And man is corrupt in his body. He's corrupt in his soul. He's corrupt in his spirit. And that inner man has to die. Uh, but just as Adam was formed by God, and certainly sin that's killed in our body, even though we repent, friend, there is no possible match that uh, you have over sin. Sin will get the best of you. It takes a divine act of Almighty God for your sins to be killed in you. It took Calvary and the lifeless body of Jesus upon the cross to make it possible for you to die in your sins. And so the old man is crucified with him. And then, of course, we take the old man and we bury him in baptism. But the old man raises up and then life or the breath or the spirit or the wind comes just as God took the lifeless body of Adam that he had formed himself and breathed into his nostrils a breath of life, he then became a, what kind of soul? What kind of soul? A living soul! Now when the Lord comes back, he's coming back after the living souls. Now you may say, I thought all of the souls of men are living. Not true. Now my body is living, but the truth of the matter is, a pronunciation of death has been placed upon my body. It's appointed unto man once to die. And while I am doing everything I possibly can to keep myself alive, I understand I'm fighting a losing battle. I'm going to die. But you see, the, the sad part of it is that there are a lot of inner people the souls of a lot of people do not have eternal life and while man is doing everything he can that inner man is dying and that's what Paul was saying though the outer man perish the inner man is renewed day by day now when Paul speaks of the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians, the 4th chapter, 
And let's just turn there and take a look at what he has to say. First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. Of course, the whole chapter there, he talks about the coming of the Lord and what we need to do to be ready. He talks about holiness. He talks about doing our own work, minding our own business, loving one another. A lot of things he just lumps in there. And then verse 13, he said, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Do you know that there are people who have died, they've been placed in their grave, and they absolutely have no hope? You see, once you're dead, there is no way that you can come back and make things right with God. That seals it. That's the end of it. And this is the reason why that we are motivated by a powerful force to preach the gospel. This is the reason why we have four rest home services. This is the reason why we have a campus service once a week. And right now, they're taking surveys and starting home Bible studies. This is the reason why we run buses throughout the city, knock on doors on Saturday and get people in here. This is the reason why that we advertise in the newspaper. This is the reason why that we have a sign out front. All of us could find this place. All of us would know where to come. But there's a lot of people that don't know where to come. And once they die, they have no hope unless they sleep in Christ Jesus. Oh, how important it is that we preach the gospel. This is the reason why we pledge $2,600 per month to foreign missions. Because there are countless number of people throughout the world that have never heard of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I personally think if those people could be saved without the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we're not doing them much a favor by taking the gospel to them. Call upon the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall he preach except he be sent? Verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which also sleep in Jesus will God bring with them. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, when it says, we which are alive and remain, now that's just not talking about the entire human race, everybody that's alive on the face of the earth. It's meaning people who have breath in God, and people who remain in what? In the word of the Lord. Your daily diet should be the Word of God. Now, every now and then I get hung up on this, and, I, I, and maybe this is a good time to throw it in again, but I am really amazed at some people, how many novels and, and all kinds of books they read, and they can't pick up their Bible. When's the last time you've had a book in your hand? 
When's the last time you read a complete story? Then when's the last time you read a book in the Bible? Hello? Y'all still out there? It's a dirty, rotten shame when people pick up all of those books. And I, I'm not saying I'm against all of those books. I think there are books that you can read for entertainment that will not hurt you. But I know one thing. They won't give you life with God either. And if you're going to sustain your inner being with God, you're going to have to read the Word of the Lord. And also you're going to have to breathe the Spirit. If somehow somebody comes up and puts their hand over your mouth, they hold it there over your mouth and over your nose for several minutes. You're going to be struggling. And the only reason why that some of you are struggling in the spirit, the only reason why that some of you are having problems in this life, because the devil has shut off all of your air. You can't get away from him. You need to struggle somehow and get some new breath in you. Isn't that right? Get some new breath in you. Get some new life in you. Let's just talk about that just for a moment. Now, some people, you know, they can, they can talk. We can talk about life in the spirit, and some people are prone to just get a little bit superficial and shallow. You know, just uh, waving your hands won't do it. You know, just jumping up and down the song service won't do it. Oh, I'm not against all of those things. If I were, I'd stop. Everybody jumps up and down. No, I'm not against that. But what I'm saying is there's got to be more to it than that. See? Where you can really communicate with God. Now, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter, now he talks about the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation. However, he does contrast it with speaking in tongues. Now, verse 11, Therefore, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh a barbarian, and to him that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Now that simply means that, that uh, what he's trying to do, he's trying to say there is a place in which you speak in tongues, and there's a place in which you don't. Now, I personally think it's okay to speak in tongues in church. But I think it has to be structured in such a way that individuals who come understand that they're not being addressed to. So in a worship service, where you're just worshiping the Lord and you're not addressing a particular person, then I think to God, and if, a, if an outsider understands you're speaking to God, then uh, that's fine. But what he's saying here is that the, the Corinthian church reached a point when, when people came, all they did was talk in tongues. People left and said, man, 
I don't understand that language. They got nothing out of the service. Pardon me. Nothing at all. Because it was all tongue talking. Now, <clears throat> verse 12, Even so ye, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Now what he's doing is that, that if you are speaking in tongues, that it should be for the purpose of edification, and spiritual gifts are for edification. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now notice what he says. Now what he's saying here is that if I pray in an unknown tongue, not the gift of tongues, he's not talking about that, but the kind of tongue that nobody understands because it's not followed by interpret and interpretation, he said, my spirit prayeth. But my understanding is unfruitful. Now, we want to just stop there just for a moment. We'll go back to Romans, the 8th chapter, where the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul talks about <clears throat> Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we ought to pray, ought to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which can not be uttered or articulated. Now what happens here is that, that there are times when problems come your way and you just don't have any idea as to how to pray. Now James addresses the situation of prayer and John addresses the situation of prayer and of course he speaks of when we pray that we can have the petitions and the desires of our heart James speaks of praying and when we pray he said that the Lord doesn't hear us because we pray amiss now amiss means evilly now they're, they're t in other words we pray for our own self glory or for our own benefit now sometimes a situation will come your way and you just you don't even know how to pray because you have no earthly idea what the will of God is concerning it. And you just, what is going on? I don't know. And this is when that Christians need to know how to pray prayers of intercession where they get right down on their knees someplace and they call on God and they begin to pray in the Spirit. The understanding's not fruitful, Paul says. It's not fruitful at all. But notice what he does say. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. But my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, the inner man is crying out to God. The inner man has eternal life. Who can know the mind of God, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, save the spirit of man that is within man? And what we need to do more than we need anything else in this world, Christians who are 
apostolic throughout, they need to understand that the ministry of the Spirit to man first touches the spirit and the soul of man, and then it touches the body. Now sometimes we, we, we accentuate bodily worship too much. You follow what I'm saying? Now, just follow along with me. Buckle your seatbelt, okay? Now, like we have a chorus we sing, When the Spirit of the Lord descended on me, I danced like a David dance. And right away, sometimes we sing that, we just start dancing all over the place. Wait a minute. The secret to it is when the Spirit of the Lord descends upon me. It doesn't mean I dance like a David dance without the Spirit of the Lord. Because what happens, you accentuate bodily worship. Now, what do you mean bodily worship? Well, I believe in clapping your hands. The Bible says clap your hands. I believe that. And I don't think you have to be slain in the Spirit to clap your hands. But what I am saying, there needs to be something rolling inside of us. We need, from the very depths of our inner being, we need to contact God and contact His Spirit. Every now and then, without giving any thought, somebody will just like a streak of lightning will start out running. And I know of times when the Spirit of the Lord just came upon me just like this, and I was dancing without giving any thought to it. Man, it was there, and I felt it. And I'll tell you one thing, sinners will feel it too. See, But the secret is when the Spirit of the Lord descends. In other words, the inner man is making intercession. Now that's all right for us to do that in a worship service. As long as there is a direct communication between us and God and, and people who are outsiders understand it. Now, I do believe, however, there are times in which problems come your way in which you need to lock yourself in a closet of prayer. And because you don't know how to pray, you just need to get lost in God. And when I say lost in God, I'm not talking about a uh, now I'll lay me down to sleep prayer. I'm talking about a prayer in which when you get a hold of God, you don't worry about the clock, you don't worry about dinner. You don't worry about supper. You don't worry about appointments. You don't worry about anything. It's just you and God. Now, if you've been praying about something for a long time and you don't have the answer, then I suggest you pray an intercessory prayer. In other words, let the Spirit make intercession. Maybe your business is not going too good. Maybe you need a healing. Maybe you had a problem with a brother or a sister. Maybe you have a personal problem controlling yourself. You know, every now and then, people do have problems like this. Sometimes people have tempers and they just flare off and they can't control themselves. Why don't you pray in the Spirit about that thing? Let the inner man get big enough to control the outer man.
Amen? You see, what, what happens when, when Paul says those who are alive remain, that's what he's talking about, those that have the life of the Spirit flowing through their veins. You know, the, the trumpet's going to blow one of these days. And I just don't think people will just come to church and sit on a pew, you know, or alive in the Lord. Do you know, when you read the Bible, there are some things in the Bible that seem to be very difficult. But the, but the secret of it is that when you, when you submit to it and you find the key to it and you do it, it's an easy thing. See, Jesus said, except a man forsake his father and his mother and husband and wife and his children and so forth and so on, he cannot be my disciple. Now, what he was really saying is, Everybody who really wants to be my disciple the way I want them to be, they need to launch out into the deep and cut all the ropes that tie them to the shoreline and to the docks. And they need to be able to sail upon life as they are led by the Spirit. And they don't need some kind of an earthly connection that will turn them around. Now, Jesus said, ye can not. Let's say that again. Can not. Let's say it again. Can not be what? My disciple. Now, what do you think about people who are not willing to, to break ties and be led by the Spirit? Hello? Now, just answer that. What do you think about it? In light of what the Scripture says, what do you think about people who won't be led by the Spirit? Now, if you haven't been praying in the Spirit, you're probably not led by the Spirit. Because if the Spirit is of diminishing quantity rather than increasing quantity, you're probably not led by the Spirit. Why? Because the inner man begins to perish, just like your outer man will perish without the intake of air or food. Come on, just hold your breath for 15 minutes and see what happens. Praying in tongues and everything, and, and, uh, and I'll be all right. I think you should pray without praying in tongues. But I also think, according to Scripture, you should also speak in tongues. Now, I know, because I've heard it said before, Brother Grant, you don't really have any proof. I've heard people say this, that once a man is filled with the Holy Ghost, he ever has to speak in tongues again. I think that there is as much in the Bible about praying in the Spirit after you receive the Holy Ghost as they are the initial sign. You show me one commandment. The Bible says you must speak in tongues when you're saved. Period. Just like that. You may say, oh, well, it's not like that, but it's there. Yes. And so is the other there, too. See? All right, so what is it then? Notice what Paul says. What is it then? Verse 15. 
I will pray with the Spirit. And I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. And I will sing with the understanding also. Now, when he talks about spiritual praying in the understanding, then it's only logical that we conclude that when he speaks of spiritual praying without understanding, he's talking about in, in tongues because that's the, the context of the chapter. Now, 1 Corinthians 13, notice how the Apostle Paul starts this chapter out. Though I speak with the tongues of men, he spoke with what tongue? He was a Hebrew. The Bible says he spoke the Hebrew tongue, and also he spoke the Grecian tongue. Those are tongues of men. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, now, he's talking about a tongue that is not of this earth. It's unknown. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. So what Paul is saying, now just tongue talking alone won't do the job. Because there are certain principles that go along with all of your spiritual life. One is you've got to love. And if you can't love, then just, you might as well forget if you think just your tongue talking alone is going to do it. But on the other hand, you might have a whole lot of love and at the same time be drying up inside. And there may be a diminishing of power that will later on not allow you to love the way that you need to love. See, what the Apostle Paul said he said uh, concerning uh, speaking in tongues. Now, what he's doing here, uh, he's talking about uh, a comparison. And what he says is that it'd be better for me to speak five known words and than 10,000 unknown words. Then 1 Corinthians 14. Because the reason why he says this, because you see, with the known tongue I edify the church but with the unknown tongue I edify myself but now he goes on to say verse 39 wherefore brethren covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues in other words if you're going to edify the church it's only logical that you edify yourself also so he was making a comparison there let all things be done decently and in order and I think there is an order of the Spirit. Jude 20. Jude speaks of, of this. <clears throat> but ye, beloved, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit or the Holy Ghost. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Have you ever just felt just in a real spiritual rut? Now all of you get that way. I get that way. I mean you just get in what I call a spiritual rut. Just 
You know, everything is just routine. Come to church, sing songs. And you just wonder, what is wrong? And then you remember, wait a minute, I just haven't really been praying in the Holy Ghost the way that I need to pray in the Holy Ghost. And all of a sudden, you begin to just pray in the Spirit. You see a lot of people then jumping around and worshiping the Lord and everything. And, you know, before you might have been a little bit critical and all this, but now you want to jump around with them. See? Now, please understand, whenever I talked about dancing like a David dance and everything, there's a possibility the Spirit of the Lord will descend, descend upon you. In fact, if you're, if you're really worshiping right and you really want the Spirit of the Lord, it's going to come. God's not going to withhold the Spirit. So please, when, when we sing that again, we might sing it the next thing we do here. You know, that doesn't mean when somebody jumps that, hey, they're out of the order. It doesn't mean that at all. But what I am saying is that it is possible to get out of order. The secret is let the Spirit descend upon you. I'll tell you, if you have been having some problems, and if you run against some crises or a crisis, the biggie of your life, and you don't know how to handle it, before you come to Brother Grant for counseling or anything, I say commit it to God. I say that the Spirit can make intercession for you. You know, God's bigger than Brother Grant. God's bigger than this church. This is only a segment of what God's doing. We can pray prayers right here that will allow Russians to be released. It will set people who are bound by spirits in Brazil free. That's the reason why Paul could take and anoint those handkerchiefs and aprons and they, when they put them on their bodies. Now you know that that oil in that bottle didn't do that. Now you're smarter than that. What did it? He prayed a prayer of faith. Praise God. And when that when that handkerchief went and was placed on that body, demons began to crawl out. Get away from here. Won't be associated with anything like that. And that's what we need. We need that vibrant spirit glowing, bellowing up inside of us. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Every person here, you, you, need to, you just need to ask God to let you, just let you move and let you pray in the spirit the way that you need to pray in the spirit. Praise God. When you run against some of these problems in life, you need to just let God move and depend on the Lord. Just as natural as it is for me to breathe, it's natural for a person to speak in tongues if they really give themselves to the Lord. It really is. You ever gone into a nursery and you've seen the premature child there gasping for breath? 
breathing hard. You ever gone to the hospital when somebody's had a uh, disease, a lung disease or something, they couldn't breathe? Sometimes new babes in the Lord, it's hard for them to breathe and speak in tongues. Sometimes old saints get calloused lungs, so to speak. Cancer grows there. It's tough for them to reconcile the fact that they, they need to breathe in the Spirit. But if you're healthy and you're normal, you don't give any thought to breathing. But you need it to sustain your life. And just as you need to come to church and hear the Word of God preached, or you need eggs and bacon for breakfast, you need this. And just as much as you need air to breathe, you need the Spirit to descend upon you. Praise God. Praise God. You feel the presence of the Lord here. There's a beautiful, beautiful spirit here, isn't there? Let's lift our hands and just worship the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Praise God. Hallelujah. What on all of you just turn around right in your pew and bury your head right down. Talk to God for a few moments here. Ask God to give you a new breath, a new life, a healthy inner being. The body's going to perish, but the inner man has received eternal life. He's not in a dying situation unless we withhold from him. Oh, praise God, praise God.